So you said you got like five files closed, another 20-ish in the pipeline. How many of those would you say are directly tied to your podcast? Probably 70% of them at this point. Right. Maybe a bit less right now. But the great thing is the podcast is also provided legitimacy with me among other industry professionals. So now we've got real estate agents that are listeners to the podcast that I was engaging with before or even before I got my mortgage license because I was still active and yeah. trying to be a real estate investor. Those agents that saw me a couple of years ago and then like, okay, yeah, well, Nick got his license. That's great. I already have five mortgage brokers and other ones calling me every week for business. Well, I've been lucky enough that some of those people have actually come back to me and said, hey, look, like I want to work with you or I've got investor clients that want right, to work with right. a guy like you. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, welcome to the Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast. Every week, I have a new rookie on to discuss how they've built their mortgage business in this challenging market. And this week, I have Nick Hill. And Nick has been in the mortgage business for just under two years. And interesting story about Nick is he created a podcast two podcasts, actually, one that led into the second one that he has right now, which is called the Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast. And that show gets over 50,000 downloads a month, which is amazing. I decided since he's got a podcast and I'm a podcaster, I'm like, I got to talk about what he did with that. And so talks about how in his first year he did, you know, 12 mortgages. And now he's got a whole bunch more in the pipeline this year, a lot of it from the podcast. So I'll jump into that in a sec. At the end of this episode, I'm actually going to talk about if you want to create a podcast, this is something we've been asked about a ton. And we have a service that you can actually use to get a podcast produced if that's what you want to do. But I'll do that at the end once you listen to this conversation with Nick, because I personally think podcasts are great. Also, I'm going to talk to Tom Hall about three reasons why you should be using video. Uh, before I jump into that, let me give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, submission platform. It's very easy for borrowers to use. So as you're filling out that application, it knows auto-magically, yes, that's a word, auto-magically, what documents that they need, and then it will send them a list. And often when people are filling out apps, they have some or all of their documents there, and we're finding more and more of them are actually submitting app and docs at the same time, which is fantastic for underwriting purposes. It also is connected to Lender Spotlight, which is a cool tool for searching rates and guidelines. Check them out at lendesk.com slash Finmo, and check out this conversation with Nick and then Tom. Hey, Nick, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Scott. It is a pleasure to be here. Longtime listener, first time guest. Yes, and you have fantastic audio, which we'll talk about in a sec, because <laughs> you do have a, your own podcast that you run. So maybe before we talk about some of that stuff, tell me about your journey to becoming a mortgage broker. Like, What were you doing before and what got you into wanting to even do this? For sure. Yeah, great question. So where do I even start here? I had always had a, a knack for being an entrepreneur, I started several small businesses. I'm in my early mid thirties right now. And from the age of 20, I had started businesses, always wanted to be my own boss, wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I was always attracted to real estate. So after realizing I didn't want to be a lawyer, I went and took construction engineering management at George Brown and got into the construction side of things, spent several years there as a project manager, worked at an architecture and engineering firm actually in Vancouver, where I was born and raised. So I'm familiar with your beautiful hometown of Kelowna. Fast forward, I had several different jobs. I spent some time in commercial real estate space and the business development space in downtown Toronto, You know, putting together office tower projects. I wanted to get more on the business side of things and I wanted to take you know a bit control back of my life. So I basically 
bought a property, bought a duplex after going to numerous of these, you know, I kind of had that analysis paralysis to hear about in the investing community basically just means that, you know, you want to do something, but you can't, you spend, you know, years doing due diligence, which I got stuck in about four and a half years ago, bought my first rental property. It was amazing. Went in and did all the work myself, all that good stuff, bought another rental property. But through that, through those first two specifically, I worked with the mortgage agent I didn't have the best experience. She was great, but she wasn't an investor focused mortgage agent. And I just felt like, okay, you know, I know the construction, I know the real estate. I'm fairly decent at, you know, starting and growing businesses, but I didn't know anything about the finance side. And I realized, okay, well, that's a pretty important side of things, especially if I want to grow and scale a large real estate portfolio. So I got my mortgage license. And at that point, I had hooked up with a great friend of mine and a figure in the Canadian real estate community, Daniel Foch, who I also have the podcast with. He introduced me to his mortgage agent and his very good friend, and they agreed to take me on. So yeah, that was about a year and a half, two years ago that I've been active. And Makes that, up that's how I got here. So, and project management is actually a really interesting, I think mortgages are a lot like project management in terms <laughs> of like, you got to come up with a plan, there's a beginning, a middle and an end. And then there's a lot of moving parts in it to actually do a good job. And so you recognize that there could be an opportunity in mortgages. So then what date did you get licensed and how did that first year go? Oh, the date. I'm not going to be able to remember that off the top of my head. Um, sometime like two summers ago, basically. You know, the first couple months were good. They were hard. It was exciting. I was doing probably what most early mortgage agents do, which was just canvassing anybody and everybody that I'd ever met and spoken to and knew who I was. And I had made myself pretty obvious. Like again, I'd started several other businesses. So a lot of the people that follow me or that knew me, knew me as a business person, as an entrepreneur. So when they saw me start this, it wasn't, I think a shock to many people, but obviously there was that, you know, I still had to build trust. I didn't know what yeah, I was okay, doing. I like you, but can I trust, can you do this particular thing? Exactly. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. You're a nice guy, but you know, I'm not going to give you the responsibility of funding this million dollar mortgage for my dream home. So I was extremely lucky to be teamed up with my partner, an amazing husband and wife team that really, and I still rely on them to this day. Um, you know, I'm still not as confident as I should be to do things by myself in certain aspects. But the good thing is we've kind of almost developed a bit of a workflow, whereas I'm very front facing. I'm very business development, which is my background, sales and marketing. So I'm great at bringing clients in, doing those discovery calls, explaining everything to them. And then I do still rely on my partners that have that product knowledge, those lender yeah. relationships that have been there for a decade. Right. That makes sense. Okay. So then uh, in your first year in the business, so you don't mind, do you remember how many files approximately you did? Yeah, I closed 12, which was awesome because I've been listening to you and I know that the first 10 are uh, the, the hardest. hardest. Yeah. Are, yeah. I, I had an Excel spreadsheet with the title, The Road to 50 Deals. Obviously didn't get anywhere close to there in the first year. But yeah, I had I closed 12, which I thought was a pretty good start. I've done five already this year. It's March 1st and I've got about 20 plus more active people right now. Mm-hmm your pipeline. And so when did you start the podcast? So one of the things I'd love to dive into more is you have this podcast you started. Maybe just explain to our listeners what the podcast is. And then I want to know when you actually got that thing going. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, bringing that up. So the podcast is called the Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast. That podcast has been live for just going on eight months now, but I was still podcasting maybe for almost the better part of a year before that. 
the one before that was called brick and mortar. You can still go find it, that stuff on YouTube. And it's hilarious to see how far we've come in, in such a short time. But the podcast we have now is, you know, I was a massive fan and uh, bigger pockets played a huge role in where I am today and why I wanted to get into real estate and why I was so obsessed with all this stuff. But there wasn't really any Canadian content like that. And I had right. sought out and found and listened to dozens, if not hundreds of hours of Canadian content, but I was still, I felt like there was something missing. We almost wanted to start essentially real estate school through podcasting. Now, I'm talking about real estate under the umbrella of real estate includes all the different asset types of real estate from residential to multifamily to commercial, industrial, et cetera. It also includes the financing of all those things from residential and commercial financing, private financing, et cetera. And then of course, construction. So that umbrella of real estate, I felt there was a gap and my partner and I really decided to take a different approach. So we've done, we're just uh, recorded episode 68 yesterday. We've only had three guests on and those guests are like, either very famous people or subject matter experts. So they'd be like a paralegal that knows the landlord tenant board inside and out, or it'd be an accountant, a real estate accountant that is going to tell you, you know, why you should be buying your real estate in a corporation instead of your personal name or providing you tax tips. Or as I just mentioned, you know, before we hopped on here, we have the amazing opportunity to go interview Chip Wilson, who's the billionaire founder of Lululemon and also owns a cool 2 billion worth of real estate between Vancouver and Seattle. So, We really wanted to provide a data-driven approach, almost to the point where we were spending hours and hours researching these episodes so that people could go away and take what we had there and use it in their, you know, whether you're a real estate agent, a mortgage agent, someone in construction, or just, you know, someone looking to invest. Yeah, a consumer looking to invest. We were providing them honest and valuable insights into the market. Right. Interesting. And so how much of your business has come from that podcast? Yeah, um, a lot these days. Um, it's so you said you got like five files closed, another twenty ish in the pipeline. How many of those would you say are directly tied to your podcast? Probably seventy percent of them at this point. Right, maybe a bit less right now. But the great thing is the podcast is also provided legitimacy with me among other industry professionals. So now we've got real estate agents that are listeners to the podcast that. I was engaging with before or even before I got my mortgage license because I was still active yeah. and trying to be a real estate investor. Those agents that saw me a couple of years ago and then like, okay, yeah, well, Nick got his license. That's great. I already have five mortgage brokers and other ones calling me every week for business. Well, I've been lucky enough that some of those people have actually come back to me and said, hey, look, like I want to work with you or I've got investor clients that want right, to work with right. a guy like you. Yeah, it does give you credibility, especially when you've grown. And so then tell me about the growth of the podcast in terms of, you know, downloads from when you guys started. I think brick and mortar is a good name, but there's a lot of content available. So I think having Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast is way more, I would know what that is just by the name. Yeah. You know, it could be anything. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The name's hilarious because there can be no mistaking it. And I think that, along with several other things, has helped with the amazing growth that we've seen. And just like your mortgage business, you know, we've treated this like a business since we started. So, you know, I think the first month we had about 10,000 downloads. Now we're getting about 50,000 downloads and still actively growing between five and 7% a month. So the goal is to get to 100,000 downloads a month. And, and really our goal is to create a national community and helped to train and build a community around that next generation of real estate investors and real estate professionals right. and mortgage professionals as well. So I keep saying real estate. I'm just using that as an umbrella term general, for, for everything. everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. The thing I found about having a podcast 
even before I had a podcast, I used to have a, like when I first started the mortgages, I, I had an AM call-in show, like nice. AM radio. And so I found I could get access to economists, to, you know, authors, university, like the guy, Moshi, I can't remember his name, New York University guy who did all the studies on variable versus fixed. I had him on my show. You just reach out and say, hey, I'm with AM11. There could be 20 listeners. They don't know. They're yeah. just like, I'll come on your show because it's, yeah. it's media. And so media does provide a backstage pass to people that like Chip Wilson. How do you get in front of that guy? Like you're not getting in front of him, but you have a large platform and now you can get in front of Chip, but then that builds your credibility as well as your reach. And exactly. Um, so I love the podcasting format and I like it's long form, which means that you feel like you know people, even if you don't know them, you know, I saw people in real life that I listened to. And I'm like, ah, I was going to write like, what? they don't know who I am. I'm like, <laughs> shoot, I got to remind myself just because I know them, but they don't know me. Right. Like, so that's really interesting. And so tell me about like the prep that goes into creating something like this. Like, so if somebody's like listening to this and wants to go, I'd like to do a podcast of some kind, where would they start? Yeah, you know, the podcasting space is funny because when we first started out, we were trying to leverage it with like our internal brokerages and with certain other people. And we almost kind of got like, oh, that's cute. You guys have a podcast, a little pat on the back. Like, yeah, you a lot of our agents or a lot of people have podcasts kind of thing. And it's true. And then, you know, I have a lot of respect for anyone that starts and continues the podcast. I emphasize the continue because there's some crazy stat that even if you just make it past 21 episodes, you're now in the 90 percentile of podcast creators because no one makes it that far because no one realizes how much work it actually is. And us being the geniuses that we are made it even more work. <laughs> so we don't have guests. Our format's a little different. We really do deep dives and it's really based around a lot of data, right? So instead of having guests on and having great conversations, which was the premise of the first one. And just as you said, it gave us access and you know, anyone that we had on that podcast would pick up my phone call, you know, any time of day or night. And I consider them all friends. It was amazing. This one, we again, we wanted to do the real estate school aspect. So we'll spend literally hours researching, referencing, pulling data, pulling charts. You know, our show notes are extensive. They can be you know, pages of stuff. And we don't, it's not scripted, but you know, we need some script there because we Show are speaking prepared. a lot so of numbers. You, yeah. Talk, yeah. And then you could say, yeah. So it makes the conversation flow. And because there's two of you, you can riff on each other. And then he says something and you say something and, and you can look at your notes and come back like from. A, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then just to jump on that, like the two of us makes it great because, you know, I'm a simple guy at the end of the day. I, uh, and at the beginning of the day, <laughs> all throughout yeah. the day, my uh, I've been doing this for about five years, the mortgage side for less than two, but I feel like I've come a long way. And that's because my co-host has been doing it for about 12 to 15 years. And I've just been able to surround myself with people that have really forced me to elevate myself. So the podcast offers, you know, from my perspective, which is a bit more novice and, and new to Dan, who is my co-host who is extraordinarily smart and very data-driven, very micro and macroeconomic focused. So I think we've got a really good cadence back and forth being able to speak to, and we've got listeners, you know, like some of the directors at like First National and MCAP and some of the big banks are listeners. And we've gotten some amazing calls from people that were like, wow, this massive developer listens to the podcast. That's crazy. All the way down to, you know, the 19 year old kid in Saskatoon that's trying to figure out how to buy his first rental property kind of thing. So it's been really amazing. Right. Yeah, that's super cool. Personally, as a fan of podcasts, as soon as they came available, I was like, I like this medium because I always like to listen to when I'm doing something else. Like the thing about podcasts are it's zero net time for the most part. Like I do when I'm walking, running, you know, driving somewhere in the car. 
there's all this kind of dead time that I'm like, I love to keep my brain occupied. And so I consume a ton of podcasts. And so I don't consume my own podcast because that would just be weird. But there's a few that I would listen to again. There's one that came out recently, this guy Wally that I interviewed, honestly, that one was like fantastic. And this guy is a uh, mortgage guy down in Texas. He believes in working 24 seven. So 24 hours a week, seven months a year. I'm like, oh, tell me more. Wow. And, and he does okay. like- hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of mortgages. Like we're not talking like he's not doing 10 million a year. He's doing like massive volume. Wow. And so he works seven months, 24 hours a week. And I'm like, that is- I need to get on that. Yeah, so check out that one if you just have another I, chance. I will for sure. Yeah, and, and, I, and I'm the same way as you. You know, I think as an investor, I did a lot of driving. And even when I was in the corporate world, you know, I'd commute and I'm in Toronto. So I'd even take the subway. And I, I always had my AirPods in listening to podcasts, just constantly learning and consuming. There's so much great information out there. I think anyone's just doing themselves a disservice if you're not taking advantage of that, at least in your spare time on a walk, on a run, in the gym, in the car, you know, utilize that time. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's fantastic. Okay, so the podcast has been a huge hit for you guys in terms of the time that you put into it. How do you promote the show once it's done? So like, well, now that you've got your show, we said one of them was, does Burr work in Canada? You know, buy, renovate, refinance, rent, rent, rent refinance, yeah, repeat. Okay. Yeah, yeah, repeat. And then so that's a common model in the US. And I have a friend who bought a place in Indianapolis, and it actually worked down there because the pricing was low, and the rents were high. It, it would be. Yeah. <laughs> but in Canada, I suspect it would be very challenging. But once that show is created, what happens to it then? Because 50,000 downloads a month is a good number. So like, what are you doing to get people in front of it? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of obviously, um, self promotion through our existing channels and platforms, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, you name it. We were lucky enough to have that larger network, kind of our, what we call our pod fathers. They pod fathers. <laughs> <laughs> they, I like uh, that a lot. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. They were a huge help, obviously, right? I mean, as I said, they get almost 200,000 downloads a month. So they hyped us up on the first couple of episodes. You know, we haven't taken out any ad space or anything. That's kind of crazy. It's grown a lot organically. And, and what we've done is anytime we get an email or a DM or anything, I respond to it. I've hopped on probably hundreds of calls with people across the country over the last several months. It's probably one of my favorite things to do, even though it hasn't been so profitable yet. But I ask everyone and I really try to you know, build personal connections with these people. And then from there, they become your network and they go and start, you know, preaching the good word of you got to listen to this. So the amount of just natural shares and natural growth that we've experienced as well has been amazing. I think that's because we're putting out great content. So we've just been lucky enough to catch the right people's ears. And then we've seen certain organizations, you know, whether it's real estate agencies, mortgage agencies, property management companies that they literally get their employees to listen to our podcast. So, I mean, like right. I'm a Guelph graduate. I know there's a professor there that makes his classes listen to it. So it's been a massive blessing. I, you know, I can't take all the credit for the growth. It's just one of those things, but we've been doing everything we can to grow it. Right. I mean, we post on social media and all that good stuff, but you know, the growth has been amazing. And every single time that someone reaches out, uh, you know, I give them as much free information, as much value as I can without asking anything in return, other than can you please share it with a friend, rate the podcast five stars and write us a review. So we've gotten over 500 five star ratings and 100 written reviews in, in the last less than eight months. Yeah, so that will definitely drive a ton of more yeah. listeners. And so that's amazing. Okay, so in terms of your mortgage business, then, 
So you've got the podcast that's worked well. Is there anything else that you've done to help grow your mortgage business? Yeah, I mean, early on, like the podcast was nothing essentially, right? I mean, we, as I said, we did it for an equal amount of time, if not longer. And it was, you know, we got a couple hundred listens and views on YouTube and I don't think I got any business from it. So back then, and, and what I'm still doing is trying to add as much value as I can to realtors. So, you know, targeting top performing realtors, building a relationship with them, and then on social media, I try to remain pretty active and I try to create shareable things, not just things that people laugh at. I mean, I, again, I'm you know self-deprecating. I'm all about that, making a fool of myself online. I've got no problem with that. I think yeah. that also builds trust with people. They see you're not just a weird, serious robot trying to do mortgages. So I try to just be myself and I just put that out there and I've been able to develop a lot of great relationships with realtors. And then people just come to me on the more investing side of things because you know, that's kind of what I've branded myself as. I'm a real estate investor. I'm a mortgage agent that works, you know, with investor focused clients. Not that I'm, you know, most of the stuff I'm working on right now is probably 50-50 investor to first time home buyer that maybe wants to be an investor or, you know, we've got three condo deals going on right now. Only one of them is a, you know, quote unquote investment. So, you know, obviously we'll do just about anything, but you know, all the same tactics that you preach and that any other good mortgage agent is out there doing it, treating it like a business, getting out on socials, getting in, out in front of as many people as possible. Right. That's fantastic. Yeah. The whole podcast thing, I think is, you know, you'd said something about 21. I remember reading before that most podcasts die at six, like six episodes. And so I actually recorded when I created out of mortgage program, I recorded 10 before I even launched it. So we're all done. <laughs> Just to make sure. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die at least a lap and a half around the average. This was back seven years ago. And you're playing the long game with the podcast. Like really, the thing is, is that, you know, where I am in Kelowna, there's a lot of vineyards and they tell me, I'm not a wine expert, but if you wanted to plant a vineyard, it takes seven years from like seed to bottle. And people do it because they're like, hey, that's just how it works. Now, if you stick to podcasting for seven years, even if you kind of sucked, it would work. Yeah. As, as, you, as, as you pointed out, most people don't stick to it. But the reality is, is that you have to play the long game with it and consistency. So you guys are putting out two episodes a week. Have you always been two a week or did you just increase the frequency? Like tell me about that. Yeah. So again, in back in the brick and mortar days, it was one or two a month kind of thing. And we'd miss one here and there. But, you know, I want to focus on the word that you said right there is consistency. You know, that whether it's podcasting, your mortgage business, your drop shipping business or your coaching business or whatever the hell business it is, consistency is so key. So we have never missed an episode. They come out Tuesday and Friday at 5 a.m. And, you know, our listeners know that now, just like, you know, consistency and following up with agents, consistency and following up with clients. That's a vital part of success in any business. Right. Okay. I'm going to actually pivot now that we've hijacked this entire podcast. This is sponsored by, you know, Canadian Real Estate Investing Podcast. That's what it's called, right? I'll put a link in the show notes to it. That'd be amazing. Uh, So I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions so you can answer shorter answers. What's one thing people can't find out about you from Google? I'm a pretty open book. So you can find out a lot about me on Google. If you dive deep, I am a massive Formula One fan. I've got three younger brothers and my parents and I, and we all try to watch them together as often as we can. So a big Formula One fan. Nice. My son is 16, and so he wants to get into motorcycle racing. Oh, so I have nice. Him, I have him booked for lessons at the Mission Track down in Lower Mainland. And so I have no interest in racing motorcycles. And I'm like, you fill your boots, man. I'll come and be your pit crew. 
that but, is a uh, badass sport. Good for him. It, Let's. Uh... It, it, and here's the thing about uh, he turned 16, and so I took him to Vegas. We went to a Raiders game, and he loves cars and stuff. Me, I can't change the oil. I can. I know where to go to get the oil changed, but I know nothing yeah. about cars. Marketing is my thing. Sales, forget about cars. But anyway, so we go to the Dream Racing place, and I'm like, I wonder if they'll let him, you know, drive a Lamborghini at 16 with the learners. They didn't care, man. Vegas is like, we don't care. Brought it in. Only like, in Vegas. In Vegas. <laughs> he got that thing up to 190 kilometers an hour. And wow. About, and I did it as well. And is that it's all gas or all brake. There is no, he's like, you're feathering the brake. I'm like, I'm not used to just hammering the brake and the gas like that. Like, it's not like normal driving. Like, no, no. I love cars, but uh, I drive a Hyundai Elantra hybrid right now. So I so drive that. You didn't hammer it to the floor. It's, like, it's going to yeah. go when it goes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's funny. Yeah. Anyways, I highly recommend if you're into cars, next time you go to Vegas, go to Dream Racing. And for uh, sure. The podcast is sponsored by Dream Racing. Ding. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, so, what's a movie everybody should watch at least once? You know, I've heard a lot of people answer this one because I've listened to your show, obviously. And uh, I wanted to say something I'd never heard anyone say. And I love movies. I had a couple up here, but I watch this every Christmas with my family. It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, yeah, it's an old one. Yeah, it's an oldie, but if you haven't seen it, it has some amazing life lessons in there. Bit of a tearjerker as well. And no, uh, it's no, got a bit of a... No, 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 it's not. We don't talk about that. Bit of, a, bit, of a, <laughs> yeah. bit of a business element as well. I, I can't help myself. I love business so much yeah. that I, I always look for that. And, you know, my favorite TV shows are either HGTV stuff or Dragons Den and Shark Tank. And I always look for, you know, business type movies, but... Uh, you know, that one's a good one. It's got a little bit of the business aspect, but it's just really got some great values in it as well. Have you seen the movie Joy? It's about a girl who made the mop that you could squeeze out. It's actually an entrepreneur movie. It's, cra- it's no, a great. No, so I haven't. You look up the movie Joy. Yeah, I know what um, I'm doing later. Yeah, she's basically struggling financially. It's a great movie, entrepreneur movies, but very inspiring. And it's based on a true story. All right. So what are three software programs or digital tools you can't run your business without? Obviously, you know, the Phylogic stuff and any of the backend systems that we use on the mortgage side of things, I'm fairly attached to my phone and laptop. They're usually with me, my calendar, all like the stuff I use for marketing, which is Instagram and all the podcast stuff. So like Omni and, and Audacity, uh, Slack, Zoom, all the Microsoft programs, hard to pick three. Yeah. The great part about our business is there's a lot of great tools out there. And then if you were to start over again tomorrow, was there anything you'd do different? I probably would have just gone harder, faster. Right. In what way do you mean though by that? Like, you know, just with everything that I'm doing now, I probably would have just amped it up a little bit more if I could have, you know, there's always a bit of self doubt in the beginning, you know, sometimes, and I know it's a question you ask other people is, you know, did you ever have that self doubt when you started? And I definitely did. Right. I mean, I had had some very high paying corporate business development jobs with very nice, cushy expense accounts. And I left all of that. I'd started and sold a business, which gave me some capital to buy one of those properties and gave me a little wiggle room. But, you know, coming from the commercial real estate and the longer sales cycle of things, mm-hmm. you'd think I'd know that, you know, closing a mortgage and, you know, even if you close one in your first three months, you're still probably waiting another month or two to even get paid. So I think I would have just, you know, gone harder, faster. Right. Yeah, that's good advice, man. So where do people find you online? My buddy, Nick. So you add me and we're buddies. I just followed you on Instagram. I'm nice. Getting, I'm learning the Instagram. So follow me on there too, if you're on Instagram. For sure. Yeah, no, I will. I will immediately. Um, yeah, that's probably the best place. Reach out Instagram or Twitter. I started a TikTok. I'm not too active on there. And then, you know, the podcast, we have an email there. I have a mortgage email. So if you want to get in touch with me, I'm a pretty easy guy to find and get a hold of. 
Right. That's awesome. Well, Nick, it's been great to chat with you, man. I'm going to go check out your show. Anybody listening, I encourage you guys to go check it out and keep crushing it. Thanks so much, Scott. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks for uh, listening to that conversation with Nick. And as you can tell, I mostly just talk about podcasting because that's not every day I get to talk to someone. As a side note, my brother is a real estate agent in Calgary and he's a new, he got into it not that long ago. And he said, Hey, I want to start a podcast. And initially he had this idea to start something very broad. And I'm like, you should make it narrow. And so his is a investing in Calgary real estate podcast. And you know, his show is not that old. He's already closed four or five real estate transactions directly from his show. And it's given him a backstage pass to people in this community as well has built credibility and he's learned a ton. Go check out his show as well. Maybe we'll put that in the show notes for you to check out. We produce his show and we produce a bunch of other shows. So if you're interested in finding out if we could produce a show for you, we wouldn't do everybody's show, but if it's the right type of show, we may be considered doing it. Shoot an email to me, scott.mortgagebrokering.com and my team will reach out to you and let you know what that could look like. So if you want to have a podcast, that's something you want to do. But as he talked about, Don't start this if you're not going to stick with it because it is a fabulous vehicle for marketing, for growing your reach, but not if you do it for, you know, six episodes and quit. Uh, In this next segment, I talked to Tom Hall about three reasons why you should be using more video. Hey, Tom, welcome to Ask the Expert. Hey, Scott. Great to be back. So what are we going to talk about today? So, yeah, today, you know, I want to talk about something that comes up a bit and something I think everyone's kind of voluntarily or involuntarily kind of got thrown into the past couple of years with COVID. But now with COVID or at least, you know, knock on wood, winding down a bit, you know, something that I think everyone has a decision for. So what I'm getting at is basically, you know, using video and specifically, you know, video calls, right? How can you use them and why you should be using them in what scenario? So kind of wanted to break down kind of the three areas or the three reasons why you should be using videos and in what scenarios. So okay, I happen to love video. So let's jump okay. in and I'll, I'll- I've touched I'll, a nerve. All right. Yeah, you definitely got me fired <laughs> okay. up. Okay. So what well, is your first reason you think people should use more video? Yeah, well, I think for starters, you know, I think especially in those types of calls that maybe are a bit more involved, right? So maybe, you know, that discovery medium of their financing situation, or maybe if it's a, you know, a commitment review or something like that, in which there's a lot of conditions you need to walk them through it you know, you can gauge that interest, right? So the difference between, you know, just picking up the phone and dialing it versus getting on something video is you can see them, you can read their body language in terms of, are they interested or are they confused or that sort of thing? So you get to pick up on all those little cues, especially- Are they sitting with their mouth slack jawed like- (laughs) Yeah, like, what did you just say? Yeah, right? Um, You can read that language and you can adapt to it. And you also get to keep yourself honest, right? If you're looking disinterested or something like that, kind of the cool thing with Zoom, it's like a mirror just as equally as it is a conversation. And so you get to keep yourself honest. And, you know, the body language also often dictates your attitude and your mood, right? So if you're flouching and not looking good, it's probably coming across in the way you're talking and the way you're, well, yeah, just your attitude is. So keeping client honest in terms of their engagement, but then also keeping yourself honest throughout the process. Right, I totally agree. And the other thing you can do with video that you can't do in text as easily as tonality. Because right. in video, I can adjust my voice, my tone, like, hey, man, like, you know, I can soften it, I can insert humor, so they can know I'm joking. Whereas to write that same email and not mess up the tone, people can take an email as a insult or a it was too yeah. direct, it was too blunt, whereas a video, I'm a huge fan of that. And then I also have this idea of show don't tell. So if I can open mm. up the right. doc, like whatever you're using, whatever submission platform, you know, Finmo, Velocity, whatever, and say, hey, Mr. Customer here, let me show you your application. Let me show you how banks look at your lenders. 
and here's your TDS and GDS. And look, here's how we play with it. What does this change? Mean? They yeah, build yeah. trust. What happens is yeah. that they go, be like, if I went to a mechanic and they're like, hey, Scott, your truck's broken. It's going to be $10,000 for a new flux capacitor. Like, what is a flux capacitor? Do I even <laughs> need it? And it's like, oh, yeah. don't worry. Trust us. It's like, well, how about you show me, no, no, open no. up the yeah. hood. Hey, see this? My trust level for that mechanic goes up because I don't understand anything to do with cars. No. So, And uh, even if they but, open the yeah. hood and you don't see what the flux capacitor doesn't jump out at you, you at least know they're not hiding. They're show, it, yeah, they're not BSing right? you, and they say, yeah, "Hey, look, it's, yeah, this is what it's, yeah. this is what it's supposed to do." You go, "Oh, okay, yeah. I now trust you." Right? If you explain yeah. to a client, "Here's how you TDS works, and this is why it doesn't qualify," they're not going to be like, "They gave me the answer I didn't like and go somewhere else." And be like, "Okay, but now here's some options. Like, look, can we get a cosigner? Can yeah. we do this? Can we pay off this debt?" And now they can see how the whole thing works, and you build trust. So I think for sure, not only engagement, but just use it as a way to like just build way more trust and rapport with the client. But I think that's going to be your next point, though. Sorry. Well, no, no, you led me right into it there. But basically, yeah, I think there's rapport, right? So I think that's kind of the next one. I think with a call, you know, it's usually straight to the point. And it's just, you know, the whole tone of it, as you talk about tonality, is just, you know, the conversation, what information needs to be transferred. But if you can get on a call, you can talk, you can see the person, you can see, hey, you're looking a little bit, you know, tired today, or hopefully not tired, or happy today, or hey, you know what? I'm looking out your window. It looks pretty sunny there. Whereabouts are you? Or hey, I'm looking in your background. You see a set of golf clubs. Like, did you go golfing that weekend? It doesn't have to be the whole conversation, but you know, that type of rapport, that sort of thing, is much more natural when in that video setting, I would say, and it does build that trust and that rapport. So yeah, that's my second point. Yeah. Is the rapport. Yeah. yeah, rapport. Yeah, I totally agree. You can read body language if somebody's got their arms crossed. And by the way, you can politely call people on that stuff. You well, know, yeah, like, that too, right? Yeah, right. Like you can say, <laughs> yeah. "Hey, look," because this is important. Like, "Hey, look," I, it seems like you're distracted. Do you want me to like pause for a second? I don't want. This is important. I want yeah. you to miss it. And they go, yeah. "Oh, okay, I'm not distracted." Like, so then, yeah. like being a good salesperson isn't just you know, it's not like McDonald's where you take the like you've actually got to guide these people. Yeah, and yeah. if you don't, then it'd be a problem. Yeah. And the one I like a lot is, you know, I see a lot of people like if I'm on my sales calls and I see someone do this, right. Start looking at their phone. Right. I say, Hey, Oh, do you have a phone call? Do you need to take that? Right. So you can, like you said, call people out. Don't have to be aggressive yeah. about it, but you can kind of see those other cues. Right. And engage that. So yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Okay. What's the third point there? So engagement rapport, what other things you think? Yeah, I think the final step I say is that it's a muscle that needs to be built is that comfortability in front of the camera and a video call is a great stepping stone, right? And that a lot of people are used to, okay, a call, I can do that. So a video call is a next logical step. But then what that leads to is, you know, maybe just, you know, you take it, we start with a call, go into a video call. Now we take out the call part and it's just a video, right? So we can start now leaning into videos to do all sorts of things like, you know, marketing or, you know, just your client journey of, hey, letting people know or educating them along different steps of the way. It's a great way to kind of get to that spot where you're comfortable in front of the camera at the very least it's building that muscle that you know you're comfortable to talk and do you know those types of education or those types of conversations explaining them in front of a camera explain how something works i think one of the best ways to get better at doing video obviously is to do lots of it now most, ah, i don't feel like it so yeah. here's the simplest way you can send like videos every day is you use a tool like loom and when somebody mm. sends you an email and Ryan Wiley is a master at this because he just doesn't like to type. I can type, I can, <laughs> I can explain an answer to you in 30 yeah. seconds faster than I can type it often because I got to go back, make sure that again, tonality, words, is it correct? Whereas if I'm just talking, I can get there. And so what he yeah, will yeah. do when you send him an email is he'll open up Loom. He will, you know, screen record the email you sent him. And then he'll just reply talking to the video, talking to the yeah. screen. 
And right. he sometimes turns his camera on, sometimes he doesn't. But either way, you're still building the muscle and then they're getting your tonality. They're getting, you don't have to worry about grammar. You don't have to worry about spelling mistakes. It's just boom. And it's quick. And they're like, oh, and it's actually a better experience. It's like a little 30 second video or 40 second video. Explaining well, it's differentiated, right? Yeah. yeah. You do that a hundred times. The next time you turn on the camera to talk video, you're going to be like, it's going to feel like second nature because you've been building it all along and you didn't even know it. Mm -hmm. So the people that I've seen who've really gotten good at video in a short period of time are using video all the time, like just for yeah. even answering a question. And like you so, said at the beginning there, it can be quicker too, right? I mean, so if a picture is a thousand words, I don't know what a video is. It's like a billion words, but you know, it can be quicker, right? Instead of saying, well, no, you're not qualified because of this, you know, your credit card, this, that, or the other thing. Instead, if you can pull it up, like you said, in whatever kind of submission platform you're using and say, hey, you see this line item? This is causing that, you know, GDS, TDS yeah. to watch, to go watch, higher, watch right? I'll, I'll make it yeah. $1. Watch what happens. Oh, yeah. what? Really? Yeah. Look, yeah, the way I okay. always describe yeah. GDS and TDS is like the way, especially if it's insured, as I say, look, the way this works is whatever it is, 42, 44%. It's kind of like missing the bus by a minute. If it's 44.1 or 42.1, <laughs> if you yeah. miss it by a minute or 10 minutes, you're not on the bus. It doesn't matter. You can't be like, well, yeah. it's just, it's like, no, you're, dude, you're not on the bus. Like the bus is gone. The bus is and there. So, yeah, it's gone. Yeah, like yeah. you missed it by one minute or 10, you're still standing there waiting for the next bus. And so, you know, if you put in some little metaphors, it also makes people go, oh, okay, I get it. Like, I understand. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big yeah. fan of video. But what's your sure. kind of last thoughts on this whole idea with more video? Yeah, I think just to kind of wrap it up, you know, we talked about the engagement side of things for both yourself and your clients and being able to do that. Number two is building trust, building rapport, hugely important, especially just with, you know, more competition as always these days. So being able to do that. And then, yeah, the final point is getting to that comfort level where it's not just about calls now, now it's you're using it in other areas to answer emails or to do some marketing or whatever it might be then video can be a much bigger part because you've built up that muscle so much. So right. those are really kind of the three big areas that I see people getting a ton of value from video calls. Yeah. And it's, I think it's just the way of the future. So just, you got to just do it. They like saying, I don't like using, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You have to. You it's like the to. people who said, I don't believe in that internet thing in 1990, yeah. right? That'll or, go. or even fax machines. Who's going to, yeah. what's that for? I remember Boris Bozik telling me when he got a fax machine and his boss was like, what's the point of this? Like, because again, it needs something to send to. So if no one else has one, fax machine is not very useful, right? <laughs> yeah. It's only useful as part of a network. Okay, sure. so if anybody's yeah. listening to this, I'd say, guys, Tom's got a fantastic company, bloopmortgage.ca. You can, you know, obviously build it all this. You can even put videos in certain stages if you want. You can have like certain, hey, milestone videos, all that stuff you guys can build into a process, but you're going to need some tool to do it. So you can check out bluemortgage.ca. Blue has no E in it. Thanks, Tom, for coming to chat with me, brother. And if you're listening, get on the video. You got to do it. Thanks, Scott. Good. Okay, thanks. All right, hopefully you got some inspiration from these conversations today. And I know that Nick, I'm going to definitely check out your show. So thanks for coming on with me. And video is the way of the future. In fact, we need to start putting these podcasts in video, which is something we plan to do, but I just don't always want to do my hair, frankly, but I know that I just do my hair and we can turn these into videos as well. Anyways, if you're listening to this, go check out ilovemortgagebrokering.com. We have a free search tool there where you can go and keyword search all of our past episodes and find exactly where we talk about anything to do with podcasting or video, using video, video ideas. It'll jump you right to those episodes. It's totally free. Check it out. And thanks again for listening to this episode. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.